Welcome to the sermon podcast of First United Methodist Church of Round Rock. We hope that this message offers meaning to your life. We invite you to join us in worship on Saturday evenings at 5.30 p.m. or Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9.40, or 11 a.m. Each service is unique in style and format. May God bless you and your day. Bleating and bleeding hearts aren't that far apart when you talk about the life and teachings of Jesus. So we have Matthew 25, where our scripture lesson come from. It's part of Matthew 24 and 25, which is often called the little apocalypse, kind of the, the little book of Revelation that's sitting in Matthew's gospel. It's all about the judgment. Matthew 24 is how you can't predict when the second coming is going to happen and how surprising it's going to be to everybody. And then Matthew 25 has three different parables that form a set. One is the, the virgins who fall asleep and aren't ready for the arrival of the bridegroom. And then you have uh, the, one with the, the ones with the talents, the parable of the talents, who didn't make good use uh, while the master was gone. And then we have this one of the final judgment, the sheep and the goats. Jesus is judge. My guess is that's not one of our favorite images of Jesus. We kind of prefer the Jesus who's meek and mild, lying in a manger, or the Jesus who fascinated people with his teaching, and, uh, of course, never offended anybody with that teaching. Uh, or uh, the Jesus who did miracles, and that never bothered people with the way he did his miracles. Uh, then we have the Jesus who's our friend, is our Savior. But here we have Jesus as our judge. So this parable of the sheep and the goats, when I was being raised, I was taught that the sheep were the ones who made Jesus their Savior, and the goats were those who didn't. But when I heard this scripture read today, and when you heard it, is that what you heard? I don't think so. So let's talk a little more about sheep and goats. Number one, we need to know that in biblical times, and still throughout the world today, sheep and goats are both really treasured. Uh, you know, uh, people throughout the world, there's still more people out who prefer goat's milk to cow's milk. And, of course, sheep for their wool. And, and, you know, I had a family that was telling me in early service that they had a Mediterranean theme for Thanksgiving. So instead of turkey, they had lamb. Uh, you know, and that every year they have something different. And, and so, uh, so treasured throughout the world. Uh, but you also need to know that they're herded together throughout the world, even in this country. And so during the day, while they're out in the fields, uh, the sheep and the goats will be together. It's only when they feed at night that they're, they're fed separately. And so we have, not only is it hard to tell them apart by sound, also they tend to herd together. Now the people who are hearing this, of course, all would have thought they were sheep. Which reminds me of a goofy little chorus that I learned from youth camp. Or maybe it was our kids that had it in youth camp. And, and it, it's, it is awful. But I'm going to teach it to you so that it will haunt you and that you will, as you go down the road, you'll be driving and you're just going to hear this song. Okay, and it goes, Lord, I want to be a sheep. 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 
Now, I know some of you are a little more cultured, and you think that she'd go, bah. <laughs> so you can do it either way. You can do it with the cultured, bah, or you can do it with the Pennsylvania, bam, whichever way. But I want you to sing it with me so we can kind of plant this. Lord, I want to be a sheep. 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 You're going to think of it at some crazy times. Because they all thought they, they were going to be sheep. And, and in the story, they look a lot alike. They sound a lot alike. But I've got to tell you that what we found during this week when our uh, uh, brown bag theologians would gather on Tuesday afternoon, we do that, and if you ever want to get away for a lunch and just study the scripture passage that's going to be uh, preached that week, you can do that, and it's a great time as we kind of push that around. And about a dozen, 15 of us meet to do that. And so we were meeting, and we really struggled with this one. Because it really seems to be here that Jesus is saying, hey, be indiscriminate. Wherever there's the poor and the naked and the hungry and all of that, if we want to be sheep, we just, and the prisons, we need to just be there for them and just give, you know, give ourselves away. Well, the thing is, we've also, in our mission villages, been talking and reading together uh, when helping hurts. And for instance, we've discovered in Haiti and, and other poverty-stricken areas of the world that all our building of churches and medical clinics and all that has not necessarily left Haiti better off. It's actually made it worse. It's actually contributed to some of the dependency that is already kind of in that culture. And so it has changed the whole way that we see how we do missions uh, in certain parts of the world. And then we have the same thing locally. We, it's real easy for us to throw money at folks and, 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 and kind of make sure people are at arm's length from us. And so we actually do that pretty generously out of our church, but one of the things we're starting to ask the question is, are we really making a difference or are actually we contributing to the demise of people? Are they still stuck in the cycles that they have already been in? Of course, where we really struggled was then we have things like the teaching of Jesus, uh, you know, with the whole feeding of the 5,000, where he says, you give them something to eat, and Jesus doesn't say, okay, you people over here deserve it more, so you get something, but as for the five loaves and two fishes and all the baskets left over, you don't get any because you don't really need it. So there, this idea of choosing between one and the other, uh, we don't want to do that because we'd feel disobedient, and yet sometimes we wonder with what we do if we're not just feeling both grateful and guilty at the same time and just kind of patting ourselves on the back to feel a little better. And what that does is kind of frees us to where we really don't do much. And that, or at least what we could, and what happens is we end up among the goats. Not really doing it. So there was a man who was uh, invited to God's judgment office. Have you pictured God's judgment place as an office? Well, in this story it is, and there was this panorama outside the office where God could look down upon the earth, and, and so this man was in that office, and he looked through that panorama window and saw that it was beautiful blue seas and oceans and, and green forests and white clouds. 
But there was a pair of glasses on the desk in that office, and so the man picked them up and put them on. And what he saw was horrible evil and poverty and crime that was absolutely overwhelming. And then the man heard a voice from behind say, Take off my glasses. The man was scared, so he took off his glasses and put them on the desk. Then the voice said to him, What did you see? He says, I saw crime and I saw poverty and I saw hurt and need that was just awful and corruption that was unbelievable. And the voice says, well, did you care? Did you feel any compassion? He says, well, no, not really. I think I'd just destroy it all. He says, that's why you can't wear my glasses. Because until you see things the way I see them, you can't see things the way I see them until you feel things the way I feel them. What happens with the goats sometimes is we become overwhelmed with all the need that's around us. And so we hold things off at a distance and end up playing the part of the goat. So that's one of the surprises that's in this story is that some of the sheep end up finding out they're goats. They didn't know they were goats. But there is a second surprise that's in this story. And that is both of them discover that the king is among the least and the lost and they didn't see him there. They didn't see the king. Uh, we don't either. We're about to go into the playoffs and the college football finale and all of that. So that's all been gearing up. And I promise you that at the national championship at the collegiate level or at the Super Bowl, the winning team, somebody from that winning team is going to give glory to God for the victory that they just won. And the same thing happens in a boxing match when somebody knocks somebody out and they give glory to God for their amazing talent. Or somebody gets the Grammy and they give the glory to God for the victory that they have received. We are a winner's culture. And so we don't see the king among the least and the lost. As a matter of fact, when we're experiencing our own times of loss, we feel abandoned. Uh, we think somehow that God's a million miles away, you know, uh, and we even say things about the least and the lost. We call them God forsaken. We don't see the king among the least and the lost. So there was an architect who had a, a great feast that he gave it to start off the, the, the Thanksgiving Christmas holidays each year. And he had an amazing spread of a house. It was on a lakeside, and people were honored to receive an invitation to that feast. But he was getting bored with it all, and so he decided to change things up and it got an ad in the personals in the paper and just invited anybody who wanted to to come. There would be a, a feast that was there, uh, gave the address, no phone number or anything like that. Well, some of the ones who had been used to being invited to this feast, and it was kind of part of their status to be there, they started to call him up on the phone, even though his phone number wasn't on the ad at all. And they began to say to him, you know, 
Number one, we're insulted. You didn't send us an invitation this year. But the second thing we've got to tell you is you might have some surprises that come to this party that you didn't plan on having there. Well, the other thing that he had put in the ad that it was going to be a masquerade. And so people could, came with masks on. And so was it Bob, the bank president, who was in the gorilla suit? You know, was it, was it Jim, the doctor, that was in the Iron Man costume? Was it Sharla that was in the uh, ballerina suit? You know? And then there were some that were dressed up as waitresses and ladies of the night. There were some that were dressed up as, as, as hobos. But the one they couldn't find in the whole place out of all of it was the architect. And finally, after a while, uh, a voice pipes up in the middle of it all and says, it's time to take off our masks. And the man who did it was disheveled and ugly looking, smelly, and he took off the mask and you guessed it, it was the architect. He says, my guess is, now that you all have your masks off, and you'll notice some of them didn't have masks, I've invited people here to be together that never would have eaten this kind of feast before. Uh, we found out that they were getting ready to tear down a tenement and there was going to be no housing for some of the poor in our city, and so I had been asked to be a part of creating a solution for them long term. So I got to know some of those families, the man says, the architect says. And the more I did, I thought they needed to get to know you. And so let dinner now be served. All at the same table. You're all free to stay and enjoy the meal. It's going to be beautiful and delicious. Some left because they couldn't handle being together. But the others stayed and had a dinner that they never would forget. One of the questions that you were asked in the survey that was done of the church on our vision process is, what breaks God's heart? And some of you came up to me and said, I didn't know how to answer them. I don't know what breaks God's heart. Well, if we read scripture, we know that what breaks God's heart is the same that breaks people in the middle of being the least and the lost in our society. Caught in cycles of poverty, cycles of neglect, the cycles that they just, they, re, they not only repeat, but they go deeper into the cycles. I, I had a, uh, lately, I, you know, sometimes you get to parts of your life where you want to just kind of look at your roots. So I went back to my hometown, and I thought of some of the children that I worked with. And so I looked up their names in some of the poor that, that I had worked in the inner city. You know what I found? I found prison records. I found DUIs all over the place. I found violence. They were still caught in the same cycles. And what our passage of Scripture says that that's where Jesus is. And so when we're sheep, 
then we are where Jesus is among the least and the lost. Jesus came at a time when it was the religious people who blamed the least and the lost for their own demise. We tend to do the same in our own day and time. We justify where we are and we blame the folks who are hurting and caught in their cycles and we set our distance. But what do we do with the king that is in their midst? Lord, I want to be a sheep. 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 And all the people said, Amen. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, we thank you that you give us eyes to see things differently if we'll only watch and yet we're tempted to just go back to blue skies and green forests and white clouds and not see what we really see. You invite us to be part as king, to be part of a new kingdom in our world. Lord, show us how we can be part of that, not just by keeping the needs at a distance, but getting up close and personal, just like you. Lord, let us be sheep of the Good Shepherd. In the name of Christ, amen.